My goal today is, is really to show that storms, whether they are literal, like we just went through, or whether they are figurative storms, i.e. storms of life, my goal is to show that the surprising thing about storms is not the storms themselves. What's surprising about storms is what we discover about God and about ourselves in the midst of the storms. So to do that, I want to read from Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. And it says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. He had just fed 5,000 people, and now they're transitioning into another moment. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. So right here what we're seeing is the disciples are in a storm. And what's important to know is that everything that happens after this, in these next few verses, are happening as the storm is raging. All the interactions All the actions are happening while the storm is going on. That's important to know. Verse 25. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. So after feeding 5,000 people, it was early evening, let's say 6 p.m., and the disciples hop on a boat and they sail on the sea. And three o'clock in the morning... Jesus comes on the water. So we're talking about an 8 to 10 hour period where the disciples are on this lake in the middle of a storm. 8 to 10 hours. Now these guys were fishermen. They knew all about this lake. But something was different this time. Verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the water... They were terrified. And in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. So these were fishermen. Being in a storm wasn't a surprise to them, especially on the sea. They were used to that as they fished. But what was surprising for them is to see a person that wasn't tossed around by the storm. What was surprising is, is to see a person that was seemingly being held up by the storm. This was a weird sight. Water is crashing, waves are crashing, the wind is howling. And here's this figure that seems to be carried by the storm as opposed to fighting it. Here's this guy coming out of nowhere at 3 a.m. in the morning, walking towards them. So, of course, they say, it's a ghost. And what they show us here is a common myth 
that Jesus can't be in a storm. It doesn't work that way. Jesus stops the storms, right? Jesus calms the storms, doesn't he? But for some reason this time, he's in the middle of it, coming towards us. Now this is a disorienting idea to think about theologically. But here's the deal. When it comes to the presence of Jesus, we have to accept it on his terms and not ours. The way he presents himself to us sometimes will be very foreign to what we're used to or than what we think. But we have to be open to the possibility of what he can do in us and around us. So this is what he says in verse 27. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid. By the way, this is the most repeated command by God in the entire biblical story. He says this more often than anything else. Don't be afraid. And he says, take courage. I am here. I am here. Remember, the storm is happening. Nothing has stopped yet. The boat is still rocking. The wind is still going all over the place. But he says, don't be afraid. I am here. Our greatest joy and hope is to know that Jesus is with us. And there are times... There are times where Jesus just wants to be with us while not stopping anything. He just wants to be there with us. He wants us to be aware that he's here because his presence is our greatest good. So in Psalm 46, verse 1, very familiar text to us, it says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble, not after the trouble, not before the trouble, but in the trouble. He's ever-present. Now, allow me to say this, that To say Jesus is operating in the storm or in the midst of the storm is not to say he causes the storm. But it is to say that we can look for him even in the storm. That's the idea. That while we're in the storm, it's easy to focus on the particulars of the storm. But there are moments where we can find him even there. Because we often think that a storm means God is absent. Storm means he's not present. Because if he was, there wouldn't be a storm. But he... (laughs) 
Jesus wants us to have a holistic view of things. Verse 28. Then Peter called to him. Here goes Peter. Lord, if it's really you. Let me pause right there. This is important. (laughs) I'm not going to make a joke right here. Okay. (laughs) But this is important. Because now Peter is wrestling with this tension that, wait a minute, could this possibly possibly be Jesus in the storm? So he's having to weigh his options here. What What do I do? Do I retreat in my cave? Do I back away or do I engage in the midst of the storm? And he says, if it's really you, tell me to come. Now, again, as fishers, they they were familiar with rough seas. But Peter's statement, he bases it on his knowledge of Jesus and not on his knowledge of the weather. What he says is not determined by a traffic cone. What he says is based on, I know, I know something about this man. Because only he will invite me to come close when times are hard. Only he would do that. See, the enemy can imitate closeness but not intimacy. Let me put it that way. The enemy can imitate closeness, but not intimacy. Peter knows only Jesus. I love him. Only Jesus will invite me close when times are hard. So he says, if it's you, tell me to come because that's what you do. That's what you do when it's rough. You, you bring me close. That's what you do. And Jesus says, yes, come. Remember, waves, wind, crashing, whistling, boat, toppling. All that's happening. And Jesus says, it's me. Come. So Peter went over to the other side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Here he is. What was once foreign to him, now he finds himself doing. Initially, he sees a person walking on water. That was abnormal. That doesn't happen. But somehow, as he draws closer to Jesus, he finds himself being able to do what he saw. He walks on water. Remember, wind, waves, boat. And somehow, Peter gets disoriented, and he realizes what he's doing. (laughs) And he begins to sink. 
Here's what's important here. What I see in Peter in this moment is the realization that the degree of our faith is more dangerous than our storms. The degree of our faith is way more dangerous than the storms. As his faith began to be shaken, he started sinking. And of course, when you're in that position, you say, save me, Lord. Now, this isn't what Christians do. This is what humans do. Everyone, whether you are a Christian or not, when you get to a point where you realize you need help, you will say, God, help me, save me. As, as tough as a veneer that we put on to people, trust me, when it gets hard, you will call on someone higher than you. And Jesus immediately... I love him. Reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? The word doubt there has an idea of why are you divided? And this is what James means when he says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Peter took the risk and said, if it's you, tell me to come because you want me to be close and I'm coming. But when he saw the winds, he, be, he was double-minded and then unstable. And Jesus says, why did you doubt me? A few verses ago, you saw me feed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. Jesus loves us too much to leave us to ourselves or by ourselves. He loves us too much. Thirty-two. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stops. Now, in this story, Jesus doesn't rebuke the wind, nor does he speak to it. There is one story where he's in the middle of the boat with the disciples. They get frantic in the storm, and he says, guys, what's the deal? So he gets up and he rebukes the wind and it stops. This time he says nothing to the wind. So it makes me wonder, okay, so what's, what's happening here? So this is where the stretching happens to us, in, in, like in our minds. He doesn't rebuke the wind, but the wind stops anyway. Now this word here where it says that the wind stopped, it means to grow weary or tired. That's fascinating to me. Because it says... What it says to me is the storm got tired. You need to hear this. The storm got tired. If we can apply some kind of, you know, personification to the storm, this makes some sense. The storm was tired. It tried to rock the disciples and they wouldn't bend. They wouldn't give. It tried to make them doubt, but they stepped out on the water anyway. The storm got tired. Which is to say that 
Storms will not outlast our faith because they can't outlast our God. I love that. Listen, storms will end at some point, whether it's a literal storm or whether it's a figurative storm. They will end. But our faith will endure because our God endures. And the storms will get tired and say, forget it. This person won't doubt. This person won't get cynical. This person won't be sarcastic. This person won't leave the church. This person, come on. And eventually the storm has to get tired and say, all right. Verse 33. Then the disciples worshipped him. You are really the son of God, they exclaimed. You see, storms shouldn't stop our worship. They should be reference points for our worship. When storms come, they give us more opportunities to engage with God. They become reference points. They become something else we can bring up to say, God, I'm in the storm, but you're great. I'm in the storm, but you're good. We're going to get back into a song of worship here. But before I do, before we do, I want to read some verses from Psalm 77. This is, this is the kind of worship that I believe the disciples engaged in when the wind ceased. Starting at verse 13. It says, Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You, with your arm, redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph, the inheritors of faith. When the waters saw you, O God, not us, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. Wait a minute. When the water saw you, they were afraid, and the deep trembled. So that says to me, what we may see as storms may be their response to the presence of God. Okay. Verse 17. The clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder, your arrows flashed on every side. What if storms are merely creation's attempt to reconcile the presence of their creator? The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. They could have said your way is through the land. That's more realistic. But nothing is too hard for God. Your way is through the sea. Your path through the great waters. Yet your footprints were unseen. (laughs) This is the kind of mindset I believe that we as people of faith, have 
even in the middle of a storm. Storms will come. That's a reality. We know this. But what we have to know even more profoundly is that God is present with us. So we're going to take a few minutes to to worship because we experienced a literal storm here in South Florida. And I believe it also represents the storms that we go through just in life, whether it's losing a loved one or whether it's having a hard time emotionally or whether it's trying to reconcile something in your psyche or in your mind or in your heart or in your soul. We go through times of instability and insecurity. But let them be reference points for us to worship. So would you worship with us for a few moments? And then we'll gather together again and pray. In Jesus' name.